Hello and welcome to the 2021 Digital Foundry Graphics of the Year discussion. I'm John Lineman, and to discuss it this year, I'm joined by just one of my esteemed colleagues, the venerable Alex Battaglia. This is true, John. I'm a gestalt consciousness right now. I represent all of Digital Foundry that is not John Lindemann. That is true. You, uh, <laughs> you're, what you have to say means the most to me. Always. Thank you so much. No, uh, so Richard is busy with other work. Tom is on vacation, and Audie was like, "Well, I don't want to talk about graphics. I want to talk about Phoenix games." So he is not here for that. Um, and Will, of course, is playing with his keyboards and you know benchmarking. That's what he does. His entire <laughs> pile of keyboards to the ceiling. He's just going through them all right now. That's right. But today we've assembled a list of what we felt were the most visually striking games of the year. Mm -hmm. um, we have a top three, but we actually want to discuss a lot more than that. For sure. And so. The games we'll be discussing before that, they're presented in essentially no particular order um, because we feel that it's difficult to actually quantify in terms of like, hey, this one is better than this one when they're also beautiful in their own unique way. Um, but I actually thought before we get into the games, the first thing I wanted to do was very quickly uh, highlight two of the most impressive uh, demonstrations we've seen this entire year. Mm -hmm. The Matrix demo, which was released very recently, and you just completed another video on, and RTX Marbles. Yeah, this is interesting because I think if you were to collapse these two together, uh, you're seeing two technologies at work. You're seeing one, uh, the power of ray tracing and global illumination in both demos, both in Marbles RTX, which is a path tracer, and Matrix Awakens, which uses Lumen, hardware Lumen, for reflections and diffuse GI and also emissive uh, materials. Uh, and on top of that, you're also seeing extremely high-quality assets that do not break down the further you get away from them or the closer you get to them. Uh, Marbles RTX is using open subdiv uh, style tessellation to make all these really awesome assets look really great. And of course, the Matrix yep. Awakens is using Nanite, uh, which we've talked quite a bit about before. So these are not two full games. I think as a result, deserve to be uh, uttered in the same breath as full games, which have extremely different uh, scopes and design constraints yes. and uh, much more focus on gameplay, of course, than these two uh, demos do. But I just think they show the future of graphics rendering. Uh, and I hope in about five to six years, we're talking about games that look exactly like these demos. I agree, exactly. These are the types of demos that give us a glimpse of essentially the future of graphics. Uh, it used to be 3D Mark and the like that did that. <laughs> yes. uh, but these kind of take that place, I suppose. For sure. And honestly, NVIDIA has a long history of cool demos like this anyway. Well, to showcase the latest features of the graphics cards. And it's nice that this was finally released publicly, mm -hmm. though I still want marbles at night, which looked even more impressive. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, so those are probably the most impressive visuals that we've seen this year, but they're not actual shipping games. <laughs> so they don't count in that sense. Yeah, definitely. It's only fair to the developers that have pushed out the, the actual game. So, um, yeah. But our first game to discuss then is one that actually you covered, Alex, mm -hmm. and placed on the list here, and that's Kena Bridge of Spirits. Yeah. And I believe this is uh, the first game from the studio, um, and it uses Unreal Engine 4. So what do you think about this one? This one is um, interesting to talk about because I want to put it on the list, not because it's doing anything particularly new in terms of rendering 
or uh, because it is even very unique necessarily in the Unreal Engine landscape. Uh, it is doing a lot of things that Unreal Engine does already really, really well, but it had a level of polish in it for the, uh, I would say, mixing of, of art and technology uh, that made it stand head and shoulders above the rest of the UE4 kind of like double A releases I've played this year, and I've played a couple, a good couple. Um, I really just want to praise, for example, the animation quality. The team behind this had worked on uh, commercials as well as short uh, animation films in the past, and they have essentially a good understanding of what like, for example, when uh, an animated character moves across the screen, they have a really good sense of the actual length uh, an arm should move when it does so that it looks semi-stylized at the same time as being believable. Uh, th that's a really silly way to put it, but essentially they have a, a very good comic style in the game that also looks really great with the rendering they've chosen. And that applies to other things like the assets too, where in this video, I very specifically praised that you could get close to an object and no one object usually looked a lot worse than a one right next to it. Everything kind of gelled together really well. Uh, it wasn't just like, you know, you can see sometimes games where like textures and models, uh, there's one really high detail one next to one that's and not so great looking. This didn't seem to have that problem at all. Uh, and, you know, like I said earlier, Unreal Engine 4 is used really well here. Great usage of per object motion blur, as yeah. well as, uh, as John talked about in Halo Infinite, they use like SDF uh, shadows and SDF uh, AO in the game to, uh, you know, to really flesh out the presentation. And I, they also had a pretty good, uh, you know, PlayStation 5 version of this game. It was a 60 FPS uh, uh, in the 60 FPS mode, you know, dynamic res and also 4K 30 mode, and both looked and performed really well, I would say. Uh, there was some issues in there uh, on PC and on PS5 regarding Unreal Engine stutters, but that, that's a whole other conversation. And a team of this size, it's really hard to fault them for that. And yeah, I haven't played this one as much. I've, this is one I've wanted to go through when I have some time, but from what I have played, I agree with it. you said. Mm -hmm. It's quite a beautiful game, and uh, it's really cool to see a small team producing something that looks so professional and just polished for sure in motion. And they de you can definitely see the animator's eye behind this stuff. So the next game is one that I covered, but you covered, I would say, more in-depth uh, discussing about its actual visual features. And that is Resident Evil Village, or I guess you could maybe call it Resident Evil 8. John, <laughs> tell me what really impressed you so much about Resident Evil when you played it. So I've been a big fan of Capcom's... Um, new engine that they've been using the re engine yes. like reach for the moon i guess I or however it was called, described yes. <laughs> i don't know what they what's it but it it's this is the first game that feels as if it was although cross-gen it feels like it was really targeting the newer generation of consoles or at least pushing the engine in some interesting new ways uh it does have hardware accelerated ray tracing though i would argue it's not the best implementation but that's not why it's here uh, what I think that they've done here is created just a stunning, visually dense environment to explore with a lot of granularity and, and detail in places mm -hmm. that catch the eye. So obviously there's many ways to do detail, right? You can just have like a, a nice surface that's full of like, you know, imperfections and bumps and ridges and that's fine. But the way Capcom, I think, approaches their design, it's almost something like they, they really pay close attention to the silhouette of objects. Yes. The way that the trees and structures and, and just objects throughout the environment all contrast against one another. 
so that no matter where you're looking, there's this real sense of care and detail placed into the world. And this is, is especially true in this game because the size of the game... So it is, it's a fairly beefy game. It's not Resident Evil 4 length. No. But there's a decent number of uh, places to visit here. And there's a good amount of variety in it as a result. And so, you know, you spend a lot of time in the mansion during the first part of the game, but you end up going to some other crazy looking places and cool set pieces like uh, that sort of lake area mm -hmm. where you fight the one boss, where which was a really cool sort of set piece moment. Uh, but I know some fans didn't love it, but the final area of the game, which is set in sort of like this weird foundry, has such a wonderful sense of scale. Uh, the the metal work and just the imagination in the environment it starts to verge on almost something like a horror more horror focused bioshock yeah. if you will like <laughs> it really has a different it. feel to it but i like it um and it's just when i think of this game and think back i think of craggy looking trees and like just uh rotting houses and and i mean that in the best possible way <laughs> <laughs> i like that so I like the fact that it does all of this, uh, and if I played it on console, of course, and it does this at a nice, smooth frame rate, 60 frames per second. It feels very, very fluid to play. The animation work on the enemies is solid. Um, you know, the staggering, the shooting of the different limbs, the way they react to your shots and move around the world feels great. Uh, it's just a satisfying-looking game. It's not pushing any sort of new technologies here, really, uh, and the ray tracing is sort of underbaked, but I just think it's a beautiful, uh, great-looking game to play, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think it really shows also what uh, this RE engine, like you were saying, like it's like the one focusing next gen you think the most so far, and it. There's going to be some other games coming out in the next couple of years using this engine, and this, as what they showed here, is going to be an amazing base uh, uh, that they can build upon and even maybe push the ray tracing even higher. Uh, I did really like also that they did target a fluid 60 FPS there on console because it was not so fluid on PC, and if people really did want to play this game, they had an awesome way to play it, both on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Uh, I guess that is a caveat that the, the PC version had some issues at launch. Launch, mm -hmm. uh, which you know that does detract a little bit from it there was i think it was related to their drm wasn't it yeah essentially was uh but based on what we know i mean based on we're talking about people hacking into the game yeah that, that's the way it is but that's the way it sounded uh for the most part as far as i understand and based on rich's video covering it that has been fixed on the pc side now Ooh. so maybe i'll go and return to it again soon and uh play it and have that same level of appreciation that you have had for it definitely worth going through but uh the next one is yet another game that both of us covered i believe in some form did we or did I, mm -hmm. did you cover this one I, I was going to cover it but i had to do that's some right other thing so at that one i time. did the video on this one and this is from a, a, a relatively small team um and it really impressed me in terms of the the visual aesthetic and just what they did with the engine and it's the ascent yeah. Uh, so I was really adamant about wanting to put this on the list because uh, it's really easy to, I think, applaud, for example, the latest Call of Duty game or something like that, or applaud a large EA title. But this is from a small team of people who have obviously a really good understanding of technical art and of mm -hmm. also uh, achieving an aesthetic with the tools at mind, like that they actually have. Uh, the game... Uh, the Ascent 
is going for a kind of mixed fantasy slash cyberpunk dystopic aesthetic uh with a heavy level of like density in the environments yes. everywhere you look there's just like greebly tons of detail everywhere john showed this off incredibly in his video and it also starts off in a really great way like that opening cinematic crawl is really just badass it is uh <laughs> I mean, here on PC, they released a version, too, that had, like, uh, ray tracing features because Unreal Engine 4 really nicely supports ray tracing. They add to the game for sure, and John covered that, too, but the game, even uh, on, I would say, like, Xbox Series X and S, uh, without those features, was also targeting 60 and showing off the benefits of next-gen in a way that was really good with, like, the loading yeah. times <laughs> and just the generally <laughs> cleaned-up performance uh, uh, because it's like a twin-stick shooter and it really needs that 60 FPS or even higher. Yeah, it is a twin-stick shooter. You're right, but it, it also kind of reminded me, do you remember the, like, Bowder's Gate Dark Alliance games back yes, yes. Uh, in the early 2000s? It's that type of thing where there's RPG elements to it. Uh, large world to explore, but ultimately it is kind of an action game uh, with some loot, uh, which is really good fun in co-op, of course, as well. And yeah, like you said, the aesthetic here, I think, is what sells it. There's just this density to it. And despite being sort of isometric in nature, there there is a surprising sense of scale to it as a result of the chosen aesthetic and the detail that they pour into it. Uh, that feels really great. So yeah, hats off to those guys. They They did an awesome job with it. Uh, except for the loading on last gen consoles, <laughs> which was uh, really something, but you know, yeah. it was it was fine everywhere else. Put impatient Sonic there in the corner, and that's kind of the the last gen the ascent experience. Um, this is one I wish I did cover on PC. It had issues when it came out initially, and they fixed a large amount of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Once again, another Unreal Engine issue. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be covering that soon enough, people. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's as much as we can really say about The Ascent. An awesome game, small studio, whatever they come up with next, we're going to be watching with uh, great uh, excitement. Um, but the next one is one you could only cover, John, due to your experience with the series and the fact that I don't even own a Switch. And that is Metroid Dread, John. Tell us what makes <laughs> Metroid Dread so special. So this is an interesting one because technically speaking, it doesn't really stand out uh, with all the other games in this list. And that's mm -hmm. due to the fact that it targets the Switch. But I believe that this is a perfect example of what's feasible when you do very carefully design a game with a specific hardware target in mind, right? So, and this has always been true. What they've delivered here is sort of, it's a 2.5D game, if if you may permit me <laughs> yeah, to it label it as such, where it's oh, a yeah. side-scrolling game, but the world is built and displayed using polygons. And what they've focused on here is creating... A surprisingly richly detailed environment that runs at a smooth 60 frames per second while delivering image quality that is well above what you typically see on Switch, especially during this era. Uh, the portable mode in particular is razor sharp, uh, and it looks brilliant on the Switch OLED screen, which it launched mm -hmm. alongside. But for me, it's just there's so much attention to detail in terms of things like animation work, the quality of Samus's animation and motion through the world. There's a there's a nice, um, I don't want to say weight. There's like a quickness to it, but it doesn't feel flimsy, right? Mm -hmm. And things like uh, 
they do a lot with like foot placement and hand placement, like leaning up against walls and the different height of things. You'll see her naturally extend her hand out to sort of hold on to things and brace herself against surfaces that all ties everything together. Um, you know, things like the water rippling, which looks great. They sort of do these fake caustics and as well. And so, you know, when you're draining pools of water from one area to another, the way it flows and fills up, it looks really, really nice in motion. Uh, and then there's just some beautiful areas later with like storms and like roaring, like sort of water in the background and these beautiful fortresses. And it's just, it's so aesthetically pleasing and so darn smooth in action. The only thing that's weird about this one is that some people have run into performance issues, um, usually on the older Switch consoles, and we never actually figured out what was causing that. Uh, I've mm -hmm. seen some videos of it where even like the first room, people were getting some dips. So that remains confusing to me. But in my experience, <laughs> having played through the game uh, a couple times even, it's it's very, very fluid with just only the smallest hints of slowdown. And for yeah. that reason, you know, I, I really think compared to what else is typically coming out on Switch these days, where, you know... Even Nintendo's own games, like the Mario stuff that came out this year when they did Super, uh, 3D Land or 3D World with the new um, sort of open world section, which was cool. Yeah, right. The resolution was really low, right, to get 60 yeah. FPS. And so you're either sacrificing tons of image quality uh, or you're dropping your frame rate, sometimes both. It really feels like the Switch is like just barely hanging on. But then you see a game like <laughs> Metroid and you're like, you know what, this looks this looks fantastic. The, the aesthetic was perfectly designed for this hardware, and that's something that deserves to be commended, I think. So so the next one is another game that you covered on the channel. I did not get to cover this one, unfortunately, uh -huh. because I played and loved this game as well. Uh, but why don't you tell us about Deathloop? Deathloop. Uh, this is an arcane Leon joint. They just excel at, I would say, selling place. You, you become intimately connected to the places you visit in this game. And that also applies to all their other games in the past, I would say, where you uh, kind of have to learn an area in and out. And it introduces it itself to you in very interesting and visually unique ways. And I'd say Deathloop follows that exact same path. It is a hyper-streamlined, nicely thought-out, immersive sim style game where you sneak in and you know you can also go guns blazing and you have targets to acquire and you can use gadgetry and all these things um but graphically uh this is the first time i would say uh they i mean i did like their last game uh well dishonor 2 that is uh but i felt like still it was missing a little bit of something and here i think they finally hit the nail on the head. They are using per-object motion blur with all these, yes. uh, you know, zany animations they have. Uh, they integrated uh, ray-traced animation occlusion and shadows, and they seem to have used it really, really well, uh, based upon my experience with the PC version. Uh, and they, once again, I would say, kind of like you described uh, with a Metroid Dread a bit, they realized an aesthetic in a way that... Uh, just really married well with the the technology that they were using the even the first level looks really different with ray tracing on and 
kind of like if you play it without it, it's like, oh, it's a little bit sad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it's like, I, I actually like that. That means that they really designed the game with the technology they were using, and that, and that I really liked seeing that. Uh, I mean, in terms of other things that the game does, it's using like the hybrid. It's using the Void engine, which is like a hybrid Atec Five Six yep, yep. branch thing. It's it's a bit weird, uh, but uh, it ran really fluidly on on PlayStation Five, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, PC, you could really make that thing fly. Uh, but once again, kind of like a couple other games on this list, it did. This must be just a year of that, where the launch is a little bit rockier well, than you would like COVID, in some areas. Guess, right? it's, yeah, it's it's, it's just the COVID experience. Um, most of that is cleared up now, as far as I understand. I haven't played it in a while, but uh, this year is a game that I really think everyone who does like the immersive sim genre should give it a try. And of all, you know, all the places you can play it, I think you're going to get really great experience, especially in terms of performance. Yeah, I agree. And also, things like I think that's really important is like loading times. Uh, they're mm-hmm. very, very fast. At least I've been playing on PS5, and they're like almost instant. Uh, and Deathloop just feels solid. I think it's it's it's, a good it's way to chunky it. in a good way, right? Like, yeah, I, I love the way it feels. Uh, the weapons look good; they feel good. Moving around the world yes. and dealing with your foes, and the time of day stuff is cool too, as well. So, it's a it's a cool game, and I'm really happy to see the Void Engine put to good use here. Yeah, I am as well too. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see whenever that comes out on Xbox Series consoles, which it probably will, uh, to see what they do there, if they do anything differently, because they have a year to update the game, essentially, I'd imagine. Um, the next one, John, this is one that I did not have, still have yet to touch this game, even though it's like constantly sitting on my desktop here uh, to be clicked on, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, you also did not cover this game, right? I did not cover this game. And in fact, uh, I famously critiqued this pretty hard back at E3 <laughs> yes, when we were did. watching the stream. I was like, this looks terrible. What were they thinking? Yeah, this looks so bad. Um, turns out I was wrong, and this game is really good. And, you know, the visuals play a role in this, of course, not the main role, but I was really impressed with what they've done here. So this also uses their own in-house engine, which... I'm loving, by the way, most of the games on this list are not just Unreal Engine. And I love Unreal Engine, don't get me wrong, even though it has its flaws, but there's a lot of unique stuff here, a lot of cool technology developed specifically by these studios. And this one is, is of course, the Dawn Engine, which was used in Deus Ex Mankind Divided originally. And they brought it back mm-hmm. for this one. And so one of the things that Deus Ex excelled in, I thought, was the dense geo right? Uh, The worlds in the game and this one are just filled with these ridiculously complex micro designs where it's like, you can't just have like a wall with a texture. It's like, we're going to make up this wall full of like, (laughs) like little octagon shapes with lips on it. And they're all going to be fully modeled. And there's going to be like a hundred of them. Uh, And they're going to make some kind of weird pattern out of it. And that stuff is all over this game. There's so many bizarre geometrically dense shapes everywhere uh and some of the environments you visit are just so unique and bizarre looking that it ends up feeling like kind of a game that you maybe have not experienced before and just going Mm. to these places is great Uh, so that part is excellent The, the the sheer level of detail is incredible uh then there's the actual characters side 
So one of the weak points of the Dawn engine, well, it's more, it's less the engine and more like their, I guess their techniques back then. So one of the weak points of Deus Ex Mankind Divided, I thought was uh, the way they presented characters. So you spent a lot of time in dialogue trees, talking to characters in both games, actually, but they always felt very stiff and the model somewhat unrefined in Mankind Divided. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I didn't love the way it looked. Uh, whereas here, I'm genuinely shocked at how convincing and high quality the facial work is and the general animation of the characters. Uh, because the performances here from the actors and actresses portraying these characters are so good. It's some of the best I think I've seen in a recent game on top of the exceptional writing. And the engine and technology is there to back it up and really sell what they're trying to do there. Plus, it has mm -hmm. excellent hair rendering, I think, which is really yeah, nice on right. the characters. Um, <laughs> and then even on top of all that, they still managed to get ray tracing features in the game, which were yeah, initially awesome. only on PC, but they did bring them to the newer consoles in a patch, which is, you know, always appreciated. Um, you know, I think it works fine visually without it, but it's a very nice bonus that certainly enhances certain environments really well in the game. Mm -hmm. So... When you take all that together, it's just it's something to me that felt really, really just cool and polished and beautiful to behold. Uh, despite the fact that the performance mode on consoles was capped at a pretty low resolution, it's, but it's, it's a okay. heavy game though. It's all, I mean I I, I, I actually it a bit. played through it before the ray tracing patch, so I played it in the 4K 30 mode, and like it's such a stable 30 that you just kind of get used to it overall mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's so sharp and beautiful that, you know, it's easy enough to put up with, I think. But seriously, this is a game you should not sleep on out there. Like, I kind of put it as like, uh, it's like, I describe it as Mass Effect light, where Good. it's not as dense or complicated as Mass Effect, but it has a lot of the elements that made Mass Effect interesting, like the planet hopping, uh, the social interactions, the dialogue trees, uh, the storytelling itself, and there's plenty of cool puzzles and other stuff to solve and exploration. <laughs> and and you have a ship, of course. And just going back to the ship between the different missions and the way they all interact on the ship, man, it's, it's cool. And yeah, so beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, I really can't wait to see what these guys do next because I would assume whatever they do next will not be a last-gen game as well. And while we're talking about unique non-Unreal and non-Unity engines... We should talk about the next game, which is Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition, which you initially wrote on the sheet as Extreme Edition. And I actually think that <laughs> either name works. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> this is so extreme. Uh, it is extreme because it was the first game, I would say, that um, put our doubts uh, into a certain corner mm -hmm. uh, about the prowess of this current generation of hardware on console where it is a game using fully ray-traced global illumination uh, from the sun, the sky, all the, all the lights in the environment. Um, and it's running at 60 FPS on, on those consoles there. And this was as a result of that. Yeah, sure, it is a game with you know, last-gen environments and some last-gen assets in there too, but uh, they're getting this to run at 60 FPS, something I think a year, if you asked us this question a year ago from today, we would be like, nah, I'm not sure if that's possible. Wait, nah, you know, I don't know about it that. just occurred to me, Alex, that looking at this list, every single console game on here has a 60 frames per second mode, and it's constant. 
or are close to it. Uh, I'd say that's pretty good progress. That's uh, that's good progress, and also I would say lays heavily into these games coming onto our list at all in the first place because uh, fluidity yes. of motion is an important part of graphics. Agreed. And this game, I also Metro Exodus, uh, for the most part, nailed it. Um, uh, but just beyond the the really great console version of this game, uh, they also released a PC version, which added in uh, a good form of uh, ray trace reflections, updated DLSS to the latest version, uh, had in some other tweaks and enhancements as well, too, as well as this new RTGI version, which... Um, this is really cool because it's one of the first engines that I can really think of that really just emphasized having a real-time time of day in it, but not having to sacrifice so much for it as a result. Because yeah. John and I have talked about this in many videos before, but without really competent lighting, uh, real-time time of day can actually be a massive negative for visuals in a game Big because time. it's hard to make mm -hmm. certain times of day look good. It's hard to make certain areas of a game look good without really competent lighting. And this game shows it off so well, where if you look at the last gen version and you put it next to the new gen version, I did this in so many videos of mine, you just see, my goodness, this the fidelity of this lighting is just so nuts. Yeah. It's awesome. I genuinely think this might still be my favorite implementation of RTGI in a shipping game to date. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, yeah. it's such a convincing argument for why ray tracing matters especially mm -hmm. some of those later like deserty looking areas the lights spilling into those otherwise dark huts and bouncing around the room and it's just it's unbelievable to see it and by the way the pc version of enhanced edition actually fixed the infamous crash bug that i had run into oh yes that one where That's i good. was unable to complete the snowy area where you take a you jump on the train at the end uh, it crashed on my machine no matter what. I was never able to get past that in the original version, so I dropped it, never played any more of it until we got this version, and then I actually jumped back in and played some more of the game, and it actually it actually doesn't <laughs> crash at that point. So, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good to see. It's good to hear. Yeah, it fixed a lot of issues with the initial release. It's They've kind of done this in the past where they... Uh, uh, enhance older versions of their game and re-release them. And this one was also for free. That's one thing we also have to talk about here uh, just really oh, yeah. quickly that they did, they brought this out for people who already purchased this game for free. And, you know, the, this is them making a huge bet about uh, current generation technology. This only runs on something with ray tracing. Uh, and I think th they're awesome for doing this. And the fact that they're such a, you know, using their own tech, a smaller studio, uh, probably don't have as large enough budget in comparison to something like other things that we'll be talking about later on in this video. They did a really impressive job. And I guess, like uh, we said with um, other games on this list, they here, they built a basis up for the technology. They've proven it. Raytrace GI on consoles running at 60 FPS, they can take this now and run with it. Uh, I'm pretty sure their next game will be one that'll be targeting 30, but offer a 60 FPS mode, uh, kind of like this one here, because I think to really push things really, really far, they're going to want to at first focus on like fidelity of objects and things like that, uh, something that lacks at times in Metro Exodus for sure. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see what they come out with next, but it's going to be a while. You know, it's gonna yeah, it's going to be a while. I think so. Now, uh, the next one on this list, John, both you and I covered it. Uh, I covered it twice in two different videos, and you kind of almost covered it twice <laughs> a number of times as well, too. Uh, and that is Forza Horizon 
five. Um, I'm going to hand this baton off to you here, but I also have some stuff to say about it. Tell me, John, Forza, what impressed you most about Forza Horizon? Forza Horizon. Forza Horizon. Uh, it's Horizon. no secret I, I love this series. It's really great. Yeah. Um, and I actually think this is one of the best installments yet. And um, this is clearly an evolution of their technology. There's nothing like groundbreaking here necessarily, but they've made some really nice changes, I think, uh, that I really like. Um, first of all, just uh, one of the issues in the past was the sort of geometric density of their sort of world map where, yes. you know, like rock formations and the general flow of the hills and the way the trees are placed and everything interacts, it was always a little bit sparse, like still beautiful, but sparse. And they've massively boosted the amount of geometry that can be displayed in this game now over the prior mm -hmm. entry. So things like when you're driving around those rocky, deserty looking environments, uh, the cliffs now have the proper like craggy look to them. Uh, they're also well lit and shaded. Uh, they have a nice large scale ambient occlusion, uh, which goes hand in hand with the trees, the forest areas. They're very yes. dense. But one of the things I love is when you're driving through it, big patches of bushes and trees actually appear suitably dark. But if you run them over in your car and knock them down, the space in that area actually brightens up a little bit as the mm. object that was occluding the sun is no longer there, uh, which seems like a small thing. But it's not. It's actually not that That's common. Not. And it's really cool to see it, and it helps tie everything together. Uh, they also massively increased the, I guess, the representation of, like, scale and height in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, the prior games were somewhat flat, I'd say, overall. But here they're confident enough to allow the player to sort of scale a large mountainside and look way out into the distance. And traditionally the issue there is you get pretty severe lod pop-in, which is not completely absent here, but if you're playing in the no. quality mode on Series X or on the PC version with the higher settings, uh, it's very effective, I'd say, at sort of managing that, where there's not too much visible pop-in. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they it's do handle, yeah. you know, distance shading as well, very well as well, right? So you're not looking out across that world and seeing, like, a flat, poorly lit <laughs> environment no, it, it's beautiful it's really impressive they also have like sort of the weather biomes i guess if you will where it's like you actually see a patch of rain in the distance and they sort of use some volumetrics and some cloud formation tricks and some you know alpha effects and it's a mix of things but it's it's fairly cool when you're driving along and you actually see a storm kind of gathering in the distance and then you intersect with the storm and suddenly you're in the middle of it that's really effective as well and just the quality of the materials uh the the way everything looks it's just it's a very powerful visual experience that feels great and uh the motion blur they got the long shutter speed on xbox this time in both the 30 and 60 fps modes which is something that is just awesome for building that sense of speed but there's even more yeah. than that so uh alex yeah. Uh, there were two environments that I absolutely loved. I absolutely loved the jungle yeah. look. Um, they they added in, uh, you know, like the frustum-aligned voxel fog that we've seen in games all throughout the last generation. Uh, but here, it's first time added into the Forza Horizon series, and they used it incredibly well in all those sequences, mixing in with the incredible density of those jungle environments where I just wanted to get out on foot. I wanted a new Crisis game immediately <laughs> when playing it. Um, 
And then I also really loved the uh, city environments in this game too, where I thought, like you were saying earlier, like how in the last games, everything felt a little bit sparser. Yeah. Here, I didn't get that feeling when I was in the cities so much so. And, no, and, and I think the bounce lighting that they added in now uh, is does a so much more competent job than what they had before in the past. Really effective in this game too, because the cities that they represent, there's a lot of very colorful sort of buildings with like brightly painted surfaces that bounce the light around in a realistic way. Yeah, they did a good job in choosing the location for this game where there was a great variety in the environments and the bright colors uh, were just as a part of it. I, Forza Horizon 4 was a good looking game, but I, honestly, I just don't find the UK such a, an interesting looking area, uh, uh, much to the chagrin of some of our audience probably now to hear that. But um, the, the, yeah, just a really gorgeous looking game. If we're going to talk about version differences here, this was also one that showed off, I think, in Rich's video, uh, looking at the base Xbox One right next to Xbox Series X in like quality mode. You could really see the difference, yeah. people. That that was a nice, this is a massive difference. You know, you had like all the extra graphical features, the car models completely different for the most part. It's like missing shading. Oh my gosh, the density and the detail in the environment is completely different. Textures are all different. There's no cone relief, uh, step mapping, oh, yeah, the whatever. Cone step it's mapping just, is awesome. It's just uh, one of these games that's like, yeah, this is an next gen game uh, when you load it up, especially in that 30 FPS mode. Uh, if there was one thing I were to critique here, just be like, COVID shenanigans again. I don't think the PC version launched in a place that I thought was really great. Um, and that's kind of about it. <laughs> it's otherwise just such a quality release uh, from Playground. And yeah. I guess, I, I hope we see this tech again soon enough with Fable. I actually. hope we see it again, and I hope they finally move away from uh, MSAA only. Yeah, uh, that's another thing MSAA about has here. its benefits, of course, but with such a foliage-heavy environment like this, um, you get a lot of distant shimmering on things that would really mm -hmm. benefit from you know some of the more modern anti-aliasing techniques or DLSS on the PC would have been great. But honestly, you know, aside from that, it's it's a stellar release. It's a beautiful, beautiful sure. game. For um, sure. But Alex, that brings us uh -oh. to our final three, the top three, if you will. Bum, 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 and each of these, I think... I, the, these are in the top three, I think, because they sort of stood out to us in, in a multitude of ways, I think, for really showcasing some either cool visual techniques uh, along with a really strong artistic direction. Um, yeah. And yeah, so let's start with number three on this list here, which you suggested mm -hmm. first, and I tend to agree, actually, and it's um, Returnal from Housemark. Yeah. This is a this is an awesome game. This is one where it's actually a game John should have covered, but he was busy. But I, uh, Mr. PC, loaded up the PlayStation 5 here and was just kind of awed at the uh, choices that they made for this game, visually and design-wise. Uh, but since this is all about graphics, let's just talk about the visuals. I think this game proves most definitely that a 60 FPS update is so superior and it just works so well. This game at anything other than 60, I wouldn't want to play it. It is so good at 60 it uh, and it'll be, be yeah. amazing if it's ever anything above that. I would love to play that version of the game too. Um, and they're doing the 60 FPS while focusing on an aspect of graphics that I think has long uh, remained 
especially in the last gen, just kind of neglected, and that is uh, like physicalized particle effects. Yes. Um, which are just, oh, it's everything. If you look at the blogs and the, some of the technical things that they put out there, like all the tentacles are like a variation of particle effects. So using uh, volumetric uh, fluid simulations mm -hmm. for some fog and some other aspects of the game. There's fog so is many awesome particles. In this, isn't it? I love uh, it. The, yeah, the fog. You know, this is using Unreal Engine 4, but I'd say that with the systems they tacked on it here, I mean, there's some Unreal Engine 4 aspects of it if you look at the game for sure. Um, but I think this just looks better than most Unreal Engine 4 games. It's interesting because up until this game, every game they had released prior was running their own technology, right? Yeah, right. And so they actually mm -hmm. integrated some of that into Unreal Engine 4. So it does have sort of a feel and look in motion that's not typical of UE4 games. You can tell that they were used to working in their own technology and they were like exploring how can we integrate this with Unreal. And they did a good job. And I also think this points out, since we're going to talk about, we talked about image quality just now with uh, Forza Horizon. This is, for me, a post-resolution game. The, oh, yeah. Yes, I talked about it when it came out. You know, like internal resolution is 1080p. It's being upscaled, uh, reconstructed up to a higher resolution. But I don't care. I literally don't care. The image quality is good enough here. Uh, they focused on all the things that are right for their game. And given the darkness of the levels, especially the starting one, uh, the usage of effects, it is way more important to pump up the quality of the effects and pump up the frame rate of the game to actually make it fluid, as, as fluid as it can possibly be. And they made the right choice there uh, completely for me. And I don't think that is any detriment to the game at all. No, and I think they did a good enough job using sort of the temporal upscaling and other features. Yeah. To, it looks suitably nice on a 4K screen, right? It doesn't just look like a straight 1080p game in action. It doesn't. So, no. uh, but the aesthetic works well with the, with the selected image quality here. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's just some of those fights, especially like the second boss with that huge flying thing and the way he rains down particles on you and just... It's such an epic moment and just the structure and design. And I also have to compliment them on the way they pulled off the sort of randomly generated nature of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't typically like that in games. And the reason I don't like that is because it has a huge impact on the quality of the map design. But here, obviously, you know, they've built a whole, a whole selection of pieces and rooms and areas that you'll visit. And then it sort of randomly generates how they're together. Yeah. Uh, but somehow it, Every time it regenerates, it feels surprisingly well-crafted. You know, it doesn't feel like a randomly generated piece of game, uh, which yeah. really impressed me. It didn't feel like Shadow Warrior 2, which also did something similar. Yeah, it doesn't feel um, like that. But did it to much, less, uh, much less effectively. And, you know... Um... In terms of selling a mood as well, too, uh, the game is very... It's dark. Dark. It's so dark, <laughs> man. And uh, in a the good theme... Way. The theme, the theme is, uh, I would say, rather disturbing, um, and the visuals are all pushing that at all times. Uh, that's, you know, it's a game crafted that just felt really crafted in a, a wonderful way, and I hope to see it on PC someday because I would love to play it. I bet it'll come to PC at some point. Yeah, I feel I'd like, like I feel like that's almost certain. Um, but you know, it's I'm really happy for Housemark for delivering this game, honestly. Um, because it sounded like things weren't going that well for them prior to mm -hmm. this. And that's a lot true. of their prior games hadn't done as well. People, That's that's why they put up that uh, Arcade is Dead blog post like three or four years ago. 
uh, because yeah. they decided to shift into something else. Yet, despite that, you know, I do think Returnal carries a lot of those elements forward. So they're still tapping into their heritage, but delivering something unique and new. This is, it's pretty much the best possible thing we could have hoped for uh, from a new Housemark game. And yeah, congrats to them. So yeah. Um, actually, the next one is another one that, that you put on the list first. And I agreed <laughs> with you because, my goodness, is this ever a fantastic demonstration of some beautiful ray tracing in action. Um, yeah. And that's uh, Lego Builders. <laughs> Lego Builders Journey. Lego um, Builders Journey. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. It's a small little indie project, actually, that came out earlier in the year. And, and I've, I played around with it as well after your awesome video on it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, this is a very kind of like Housemark. I think this is a small team of people who, or even like the Ascent, of people who understand tech art. <laughs> yes. This is like they just get it. They just like, this is one of those games uh, too where someone who can come in the room who doesn't understand rendering technology, like happened to me, was like, just like came into the room and they were like mesmerized by the visual appearance of things on screen. It looks like you're manipulating real objects. Everybody knows Legos, right? And yeah. the the material response of the Lego pieces, the virtual Lego pieces, it just feels correct. It's awesome, man. I, I loved playing through this game. It's not very uh, long, too. So anyone out there right now um, can go and enjoy it themselves. I don't even think it has a very high asking price, honestly. Um, but as John said, like as a part of this, uh, really awesome ray tracing where you know they they threw in like the the kitchen sink buckets everything of all the ray tracing effects you want and they always use it to enhance every stage so that it looks even more like the real life counterpart of the lego piece that you expect it to look like you know each stage also manipulates the time of day a bit yep. because you're kind of going along a certain time of day and then you eventually go into the like completely different areas that are like surreal or uh like uh kind of weird underground areas and things like that where it is not moving along this time of day but each area always looks a slightly different with a different time of day and with different uh blocks and pieces and they even got so many things right like the transparency rendering in games is usually pretty poor yeah um and here if you look at like the transparent blocks uh, they didn't just rely only on hardware ray tracing. They could have, but it would have been performance intensive and, you know, uh, maybe it would require, you know, uh, way too many samples or something like that. So, like, for, like, the transparent bricks, they have, like, the external reflections of the things around it, but, like, internal reflections and refraction are done via, like, ray marching oh, instead, cool, yeah. which is not using the hardware, uh, but it also produces a convincing enough look that, honestly, the water areas in this game, when you see those on screen, it's just, like, one of my favorite things. It just looks so... It's like stop-motion-y stop uh, Lego films that you might have made in your youth. Um, it just looks so incredible. Um, uh, there's not one aspect of this game that I do not like visually. I think I like every single aspect of this game visually with no complaints. Thinking of stop motion, that's actually one of the things I like. Early on, there's like that weird, like slimy liquid. Uh, yes, on right. There. And they actually use like it looks like stop motion frames of like different Lego pieces <laughs> to show like a little bubble up of the liquid. Yeah. That looks just it's so charming and just great. And like everything animated in the world is animated with Lego rules. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. Uh... That's <laughs> awesome, man. I also love the usage of emissive lighting uh, that oh, yeah. you can see in later stages, like when it's like dark and it's like 
just like glowing. And uh, that, that also works without ray tracing here too. The game can be played without ray tracing and it still looks really fantastic, but uh, ray tracing brings it to another level of realism. And from such a small team, they're number two on this list here. I think that says a lot about them and the work that they've done. And I hope they make actually a more ambitious title next time. This was great from a uh, you know short, digestible, fun, really cute game. Uh, fun puzzle but game. I would love to see them take this tech that they developed uh, and see if they could expand onto it into a different, maybe a platformer or something like that. I would love to see this as a platformer, uh, this kind of tech they rolled out. I agree. Yeah, congratulations to these guys. It's just awesome, awesome work. Just a beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. game. Okay, John. What's up? I think everyone expects this last one now at this point. We haven't talked about kind of the elephant <laughs> in the room. <laughs> and this is no surprise, people. Um, Insomniac, uh, for the last five, six, seven years has been putting out games that every time one of their game comes out, you know you're getting something that's quality. You know it's going to look amazing. Uh, and it's no surprise here that uh, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, uh, is our kind of number one pick here of the graphics of the year. John, you covered this game so many times, actually. What is it that makes this our number one pick? This is sort of a, I feel, one of the first real showpiece titles for this next generation of consoles and that it brings together a stupidly high level of granular detail along with perfect attention to cinematic effects such as motion blur combined mm -hmm. with real-time ray tracing for reflections which are robust and beautiful and it does it all at 60 frames per second yes. or optionally 40 frames per second <laughs> if you like, or, which is actually pretty good. Or optionally, 30 frames Or 30. Uh, <laughs> the choices are interesting, but the fact that they were able to achieve a level of detail uh, and granularity in a game like this with ray tracing enabled at 60 frames per second and have it be this stable uh, while also doing just huge levels with like so many breakables and particle effects everywhere breakables while particles. showcasing a lot of the sort of like world swapping mechanics um mm -hmm. and i i've heard a lot of chat about that where it's like oh you know old games could do that too and it's not untrue it's just it's not that swapping between two different maps on its own hasn't been done it's the fact that they're doing it with this level of assets it's the amount of data that they're moving that makes it impressive uh, it's not the portals. It's like the levels where you're basically hitting a button and it just instantly switches to another mm -hmm. completely different looking map. That's pretty darn impressive, I'd say. I'm really impressed with how Insomniacs evolved over the years with just their, their overall presentation and quality of animation where it's just everything moves so beautifully. It really starts to look like a feature film. In fact, in that mm -hmm. video, I compared it to the Ratchet & Clank CGI film from a few years back. And in many ways, the game actually looks better. Like, technically, if you look real close, you might have a little bit more rounded geo on some characters. You know, if you pull the camera up close, be just because you don't have to budget that as much when doing a pre-rendered film. But... In terms of like the way they did their materials work and just some of the lighting choices, I feel like the game is just more visually striking all around. It's it's top tier. And you it can is. tell that this was a game that was crafted very specifically for uh, the new generation of consoles, right? I don't believe very you will so. ever see anything like this running on uh, the PS4. 
Um, it would be cool to see <laughs> no. a PC port because Insomniac's engine like does exist that. on PC because they did VR games. That'd, uh, be, I, that'd be fun if they did that. I don't know if Ratchet and Clank is necessarily like viewed as like, oh, this is this is a perfect PC game or not. But I still think they should do it because I, I think be people fun. would be impressed. Yeah, I think that would, that would be a great way to expand uh, the series. But I want to talk about some other very specific things in the game Please. that it does well. Yes. Um, so last gen hair let's talk about last gen hair so (laughs) last gen you know you got your you got your hair cards you got your uh really stifled hair usually it's like lower res it's like reconstructed up with taa Mm kind of it's kind of grody it's like 1080p less doesn't look too great this game it has the main character with his bushy little tail and all of his little hairs right there, front, full, center of the screen, and they're not afraid to show it. This no. is something in, in the past that you'd be like, oh, God, we have to have this guy on screen now? Um, <laughs> no, they, they render you know, splined hair that mixes in with that really cool shell technique that uh, is ancient at this point in time, and it's really well constructed where, you know, I think they talked to you about this, John, where yeah. if you pull them out uh, with, like, the hair, like, the density of the model is just, like, a level of a last gen game almost <laughs> in some in some areas. Yeah. Uh, he's just like such a dense and beautiful model uh, that applies to uh, Clank as well. Just really well rounded. Uh, I want to talk about the ray tracing too because um, they have definitely implemented in terms of ray trace reflections. Probably the best ray trace reflections we've seen on console outside of like the Matrix demo, right. where um, where you know it goes generally really far into the distance. It has a, a a suitable resolution that doesn't look icky like we've seen, for example, in like Watch Dogs Legion, where it's like, oh, that internal resolution is that's that a good great. point. Because when I first tested this game, remember they were doing quarter res reflections, but then before yeah. it launched, they patched it up to do sort of like the equivalent of half res, but checkerboarded up to appear native res. And it's, you know, I mean, you've seen checkerboarding. It's pretty convincing. It looks good. It looks great. Um, You know, and then stability of performance using their equivalent of temporal anti-aliasing upsampling, leveraging it, leaning into it a bit to make sure that performance is generally really, really steady, especially in the 60 FPS mode. There's just a lot there. It's kind of, uh, it's in the 1080p to 1440p range usually. And the temporal upsampling that they use there is quite effective at making it still look suitably nice on a 4K screen. But also that 40 FPS mode I mentioned, they're the first developer to do this in the console space. Mm-hmm. And I really want other developers to take notice of this because for anybody using a, a modern you know, HDMI 2.1 screen, uh, running a game at 4K at 40 frames per second it doesn't increase the the frame budget high enough to really make it it's an easier target than 60 and although Mm -hmm. it only sounds like oh it's only 10 more it's actually exactly halfway between 30 and 60 fps in terms of frame times so it actually feels very Mm -hmm. smooth so you basically can get what feels it feels a lot better than 30 but you're getting that quality mode presentation basically so it looks close to native 4k most of the yeah, time and you retain the ray tracing uh, whereas if you go up to 60 which is nice of course you know it is a bit lower res so but still it's, <laughs> it's it's good to have those options yeah and one thing i would like to see for them for their next game 
uh, would be kind of like how I said with maybe Metro, where I would like to see them not target such a high res for their 30 mode. Yeah. Uh, because their 30 mode was, I mean, it had, like you mentioned, DRS ranges there, but they were pretty rare. But it was still like, you know, like 1800p to 4K. Yeah, they tried to keep I it I would high. actually see them... I would like to see them actually target a little bit lower and push the visuals even more for their next game just to see what they can do with it, you know, because uh, if they already got ray tracing uh, reflections working this well, uh, maybe they could add in something else in there too and really push the bar even further, which they do. They, they release the game every two or three years at this point, and it's always pushing the bar in some way for, uh, for visuals. So can't wait to see what they put it, produce next. They're an impressive studio and how efficient they are and how quickly they're able to release games while still making sure that they're you know really solid products i think ratchet probably launched with the most amount of bugs in the recent insomniac game nothing too bad but they were there at launch they've since been patched and i think that's down to essentially most of the development was done while working from home so mm -hmm. that's that's brutal it was a learning process <laughs> i'd imagine for them but yeah, top tier technical talent. So the the four T's. That's what we're talking about here. Um, it's. I almost feel like their investment into ensuring that they have probably the best ray trace reflections on a console to date, probably stems from what happened with the whole uh, puddle gate situation with Spider Man. Oh my god! Yes. Where it's like we've yeah. got to show these people. <laughs> Uh, we can I, do reflections. The, I will never forgive the internet for that. Uh, that was that, that, that was, was so dumb. Really dumb. <laughs> it was top tier dumb. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's talk. Let's end on a positive note here and say, you know, Insomniac Games, we really love what you produce and uh, very well deserved number one spot here. Absolutely, congrats. But I think that's going to do it for this discussion. Uh, we talked about a lot of games. Everything on here is awesome. They they look mm -hmm. amazing. There's just there was a lot of good quality this year. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say by and large boundaries were pushed in any specific way, but it's mm -hmm. a really strong first year showing for this new generation of machines uh, where you just seen such smooth performance in addition to really high quality visuals. And that's the key. Like I said, everything here has a 60 FPS mode and it sticks yeah. to that target pretty consistently on the console platforms. And then of course, you know, a lot of these games are also on PC and really good there as well. So yeah. um, it's just, it's great to see. It feels like we're in a really nice sweet spot in terms of technology where you've got that smooth performance, plenty of polish, yet still very impressive visuals. Uh, and it'll be curious to see where we go from here as cross-gen becomes less common. Uh, mm -hmm, I do think mm -hmm. stuff like the Matrix demo sort of hints that the return of 30 FPS is in the cards. Uh, we'll have to see how that shakes out. But for now, it's looking pretty good. So yeah, uh, thanks is. for joining me to discuss this over the past hour, Alex. I appreciate it. Well, of course there, John. And I love my job. What can I say? Of course. And you're the man for it. So, and Tom, have a good vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, enjoy Rich, your other work. Enjoy your doing. other work. Uh, but I think we got through it. I'm happy. That was, that was a yeah. lot of fun to discuss. And thanks to everybody that actually made it this far in the video. <laughs> and thank you to everyone that's been watching digital foundry all year long or before. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up in 2022. The release calendar looks good. Uh, lots of technology is it's constantly evolving. Many more rays will be traced. <laughs> Alex is very excited. It's I'm happening. You can't stop it. The rays will keep can't going. Stop it. Um, but 
unfortunately, we're not going to keep going right now because it's the end of the video. So uh, if you enjoyed it, be sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know how it goes. Uh, and we will see you next year, perhaps. Yeah. Until then, take care.